Welcome back to the Shema Podcast, my friends. I am looking forward to exploring the topic at hand today. It's going to be bringing together many topics we have discussed before, but in the area that prepares us for Pesach. You know, one of the things we've discussed before, we just had Rabbi Cohen on a few episodes ago talking about the Hebrew letters and how they are the building block of creation. And we've talked about how this world is really nothing but metaphors. This world is the illusion. Hashem is the reality. And he's sustaining us at all times. And he created this world with nothing more than metaphors to remind us of the reality and the truth of our existence. For example, he made oxygen to be invisible, but he needed our bodies to be entirely dependent on it at all times in order to stay alive. Why? Because he wanted us to continually remember that although we can't see him, he is keeping us alive at all times. He created sunlight and darkness, daytime and nighttime to remind us that He's always there, but sometimes he's concealed from us in order to help us appreciate and understand him better before the world turns again for us and we see his revelation in our lives and throughout the history of the Jewish people. But there's something else I want to get into. There's a lot of symbolism in Judaism. You know, at the Shabbos table, I learned early on that we, we cover the challah before we say Kiddush over the wine, to be sensitive to the feelings of the challah. I mean, the bread normally gets presence in the bracha. And now we're giving presence over the bracha, over the wine. We have to be sensitive to it. We cover it up so it can't hear us. It's to teach us to be, if we're sensitive to a loaf of bread, then of course we'll be more sensitive to our fellow human being. But there's something else we do at the Shabbos table. After we say the bracha or the challah, we slice it up. We pour salt on the cutting board and we take the challah and we blot it over the salt. And someone asked me why we do that. And I told them what Rabbi Cohen taught me is that salt has the attribute of din, judgment. And challah has the attribute of where material blessings come into this world. And I realized the person I was speaking to thought I was being symbolic, but that's not at all the case. What Rabbi Cohen taught me is, as he was discussing about the Hebrew letters and the Hebrew words are all building blocks of creation that salt actually does have within its construct, din, judgment, and challah, which is why it was in the temple, is because that is in its construct where material blessings come to this world. So when we take the challah and we dab it on the salt. When we blot it on the salt, we are actually compressing judgment in order to allow those material blessings in the world. It's not symbolic. It's we're actually doing something that is changing the fabric of the world that we live in. And I was listening this week to Rabbi Wolgan Linter, and I realized I need to get him back on the podcast. I forget. I get to learn from him all the time. I need to share him with all of you as well. And he's been teaching me from a rabbi, and I'll let him provide a little bit of an introduction of that rabbi and his background, but we were talking about matzah and Pesach and many other concepts around this. And I knew I wanted him to share this wisdom with all of you. And I found out he's leaving to Israel next Sunday, so I was going to grab him for you before Pesach. I had to get him in here today. So I'm excited to bring on Rabbi Wolgenlinter and share some fascinating concepts that we can contemplate and really springboard our Pesach for greater growth throughout the next year. Welcome to the Shema Podcast, the podcast for the perplexed, where Torah insights intertwine through personal stories as well as interviews with leading Torah scholars demonstrate the empowering qualities of Torah and mitzvot. For more great Torah learning through Torch, the Torah Outreach Center of Houston, go to torchweb.org. Now to the show. Rabbi Wolgelenter, thanks for coming on the show. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a while, so I'm happy that we got to sit down again. 
especially right before Pesach, because it's this is the time of year. I don't know if you've noticed. I've noticed about myself. It's like you, I come alive, especially this time of the year. It's just special. Pesach is so much the foundation of everything that we believe in and that we learn the rest of the year is emphasized on Pesach. And we can really set like the foundation of our whole year from Pesach. We were learning together from the teachings of Rav Yitzchak Meir Morgenstern, who is a Rebbe from Jerusalem. He lives in Yerushalayim. I hope to be able to see him and stop by um, and actually see him in person because I've We've learned so much together just from his writings. Yes. Um, Thank him for me. I will, I will bring him the love all the way from Houston. Yes, for sure. 100%. I've actually sent a message to him through a student of his. And the message was that he should just know that his teachings have reached to the four corners of the world, including our little corner of Houston. And he told me that when he told him that exact thing, that the Rebbe was very, very excited. And oh, he wow. gave a big smile. At, you know, their, their learning from his teachings have spread out. So it's an, hopefully going to be an incredible experience to be able to, to see him and, and experience just his light that he brings into the world in person. Wow, amazing. But yeah, so one of his, his ideas is, is that, you know, when you look at the Jewish calendar, of course we have a beginning at Rosh Hashanah, but that's on a different cycle. When you look at the actual Jewish calendar, it really starts from Nisan, from this month. Um, it makes sense as the time when the Jews came out of Egypt, it kind of makes sense, right? That's when we're born as a nation and we start having a national timeline. Right. So the Pesach is naturally your first stop in holidays in your national timeline, in the timeline of our years, of our time. One of the things you were talking about the other day was, is why is Purim sort of the, the end of the year and how I've learned that in the times of Mashiach, Purim will stay. And we have this massive revelation of God. We don't need to sit down at a Pesach table, I guess, and contemplate it because it's just like we have the revelation. It's like there's no question, right? The facade has been melted away, mm-hmm. but Purim is still there. So you could talk a little bit about how I Purim is sort of like this end of the year and why that sets us up again to go to the next platform to begin to build from there. So Pesach is the beginning which means that what we just finished was Purim is the end of the cycle. The way the rabbis look at it is that Purim is really the culmination of our faith. It's the highest level of our faith. So if we think of the year as growing in the connection and faith in, with Hashem, the foundation of that growth starts from Pesach. Now build on it. And you get to the other holidays, and you get to Shavuot, you get to Torah, and you get to Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur, and you have a a unique relationship with Hashem. Sukkot, you get to Sukkot, and you just sit with Hashem and enjoy. Think about the big ones. You get to Hanukkah, and we have the miracle of the oil. These are all really building one upon another. Right. What's the highest form of faith in Hashem is in the miracle of Purim. What's the miracle of Purim? Hashem didn't say... All of a sudden, Haman zap from Scott from the sky, and Haman's gone. Right? right? There was no miraculous open miracle where God came in and just changed the course of history. There was none of that on Purim. Yeah. On Purim, the miracle was, in fact, very, very much hidden. It's almost the most real life experience of a Jew. It's the most real life example of how we live. We live also where Hashem is very much hidden and you just see things happening. And that is the, the lesson of Purim. The highest lesson of faith is even when you don't see Hashem straight up in front of you. Right. Even when it just seems like, oh my gosh, what a coincidence. This one's in this place and you know, right place at the right time, wrong place at the wrong time. You just see the world, the creation happening. To be able to recognize even in that situation, Hashem is behind the scenes and arranging everything that it should be perfect for us. Right. That's really the highest level of faith. Right, right, right. And then everything comes together. So I, I was just sort of thinking because everything's fractal, right? We have our, our year. We have the life of the Jewish people over time. So you have this Pesach experience. Then you have, of course, getting the Torah. And then we have the Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, all that. 
And then what happens? We go into winter. Yeah. Right? And it's basically, what is all that representing between after all that happens, we go into winter all the way through Hanukkah and Purim. It, it's, it's not only going into exile, but it's going to exile with the Greeks and then going to exile with the Babylonians. And the depth of exile. The depth like, of as exile. As it gets worse and worse, right? Right, as exactly. You, the further on in exile you are, the darker it gets. The right. The more hidden Hashem's reality becomes. Right, which is why porn makes sense that that will exist because that because when we can't see him anywhere, things get bleak during the, the war of Gog Magog, and all of a sudden, boom, you see Hashem's been controlling everything, and then we, and then we have this immense joy. That's when we're there. Where That's when we're at the level, and then we just keep celebrating that type of thing we that he was there the whole time that's exactly right and if, that's amazing if, if, if someone listens to your to your podcasts and learns about the cycle of the year then the main point that Rav Itchemeyer was pointing out was when we were studying that the main point was is that if you are living this cycle then by the time you get to Purim you're on a whole different level than you started the year Right, And then that catapults you to a new level, a new layer of faith in God, which you start with again from that level. You're not starting at the same place that you were one year ago. It's not just this flat line, okay, I believe in God and I just take that through life. No, rather I go up a level through the course of the year. Now I'm a different person. Now I come to Pesach and I can look at it as a different person. Right. A person should never say, it's important. A person should never say, you know, last Pesach, I got through Pesach. I ate the matzah and I didn't think about any of these things and I'm fine. Right? Maybe I got some uh, inspiration from something or uh, very minimal. A person should never be limited by their past, by their past experience of the holidays. In fact, every time we come about to a holiday, we really have to re-examine it, re-examine the themes and the elements. So you do some reading before the holiday and you come in as a completely different person. Right. And then you just grow in levels of faith of God, levels of faith, levels of faith. You believe more. You understand more. You experience more. And then changes your life. Right. Your life is different. Right. You, exactly. you interact with the world around you in a different way. You interact with your challenges in a different way. That's what Pesach's meant to do. I so. have to say that when I moved here and started beginning this endeavor, getting familiar with the sitter, because when I was up in Kingwood, I thought there was just a bunch of commentary uh-huh. and then you get to Shema and I started reading <laughs> all those prayers and contemplate. There's so much ongoing discussion and recognition of the exodus it's it all comes back to the exodus right right and then all the mitzvahs that we do so many of them are to remind us of the exodus yeah even shabbos which is a big reminder of hashem's power of creation of creating the world but even shabbos we say a friday night in kiddush we say that this is to remember the exodus of egypt Right, And so right. many of our mitzvahs are there to bring us back to the Exodus. It's that first moment of being a nation. And I'm not exaggerating or using the wrong words if I say everything comes down to the Exodus from Egypt. Everything right. everything in Judaism comes down to that. It's a sure. sign-off on the Shema. It's Exactly. You know, exactly. That's why I teach like the Shema is like a contract. It's not yours truly, the creator of the universe. It's... I'm Hashem, your God, who took you out of the land of Egypt. Like, that's my stamp. That's how we have a relationship. And that's why yes. we're, we're intertwined together. Yes, yes, yes. I heard an insight about that, actually. It's stuck in my head. You know, sometimes yeah, we, we live in a world with so much information and little blips of Torah are flying across our WhatsApp and computer and emails. And you hear a class here, but sometimes something really resonates. It just sticks in your head. You don't even have to work on it to just stick in there but i was learning with danny cutler this is probably this is almost three years ago okay it's still in my head i right. still think about it daily at the end of shema when we say exactly that line when we say i am hashem who took you out of egypt i am hashem and so he taught from one of the labavitcher rebbe's he taught that what we're meant to recognize at that moment is i am hashem who took you out of egypt I am that same exact Hashem, with that same exact power, with that same exact ability, I am your Hashem. So in your life, you have the same Hashem that took, they did this wow. big miraculous thing and took the Jews out of Egypt with a strong hand and an outstretched arm and the miracles and all that stuff that was all the revelation at that time, all that clarity at that time. I am that Hashem for you on a random Tuesday in April right. in March, right? Exactly. I am that Hashem. It's like it was like so. It was so powerful. Like uh, to think about that as you say it is like wow. That's the Hashem that I'm building a relationship with. Is that all powerful 
being that is present in my life and very much a part of my life. It's like it's a, it was right. such a deep thought. I don't know yes. You, now that you mentioned Shema. And it's yeah. what Hashem wants us to be so cognizant of. He does not want us to forget that in this final exile. Exactly. Exactly. hundred. We need it. We need that. We need that recognition in order to get through this because it's been it's been a couple of years <laughs> it's, right? been it's, been, it's been a long time and it's been hard it's you know we're blessed to live in a very we have a lot of things that our ancestors didn't have we probably have the best situation of any period of jewish history when it comes to the fact that we're free in most of the world to practice our religion we have the ability very easy ability to choose follow Hashem and the Torah and to choose that type of lifestyle. And we're blessed. We have that very easy. But on the other hand, for some reason, at the same time that it's so easy, there are so many people being lost and choosing not to step into Judaism and not right. to find out more about their Judaism, about their own heritage, about what links them to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their grandparents and their great grandparents. And so, you it's know, it's a huge test. It is. It, it is. was much easier to be from and connected to your the Jewish people when the rest of the world hated you and blocked you in a ghetto together. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And now we're we're seeing what the result of giving human being full the full ability to choose. Right? right, you're free to choose left or right. Do your thing, whatever you want. There's no one forcing you either direction. And we're seeing so clear that the human condition is one that is programmed sort of to choose not, right? We're programmed. We have that inside of us. Call it the evil inclination. Call it whatever you want. But we have that power inside of us that can tend, tends to be a constant force pulling us away. Yes, but I will say, even though our generation is, I know nothing compared to the last generation, so on and so forth, even in this huge test where we have all these modern conveniences and people are accepting of Jews for the most part, I mean, here's some stuff here and there, but quite frankly, you know, last week I, I did a podcast with David Goldman. We were talking about being from the business world. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about like it's it's so much easier now. Because when you come in and say like I need to take off for these holidays, corporations are pretty sensitive to it, right? So it's a big test because it's easy to say, oh, well, I'll just join them. But at the same time, to give some credit to our generation, look at the – and honestly, I don't know if it's our credit. It's Hashem. But look at the sheer number of Baltashuvas – and converts coming forward. I mean, it's crazy whenever I hear numbers. Like when Rabbi Yacobian was saying, like, every best in this country is overwhelmed. Overwhelmed with people wanting to convert. Yeah. I mean, so something is stirring us awake, probably because we've done this world before. <laughs> we have a little more vigor this time. Like, this is the last chance. Let's get yeah. it right. Yeah. That's driving us to seize this opportunity and say, hey, we can do both ways. They both look comfortable, but we're going to go. Or even the, the Jewish way is a little more challenging. We're going to go that route. Yeah, 100%. 100%. We have to take a lot of credit. You know, Rab, Rab Moshe Weinberger calls us, we're the paratrooper generation, right? So the paratroopers are not dropped and then they march towards enemy lines, but rather they're dropped behind enemy lines. That's right. where we are, right? Yes. We're trying to outflank all the challenges. And so we are literally the generation that has been chosen to be dropped where the the best the best chance of bringing Mashiach is with rests with us, which is incredible. It's incredible to think about it. Yes, we deserve a lot of credit for going behind enemy lines and being willing to fight there in that place behind enemy lines engage with the evil inclination, engage with evil in general and right. be able to fight against it. So, you know, all these things really, you know, all these things come back to Pesach. This is all the lessons of Pesach and the exodus of Egypt, leaving Mitzrayim. It is the, you know, contained within the exodus of Egypt, the challenge of Egypt, the experience, the Egypt experience and the exodus contained within that is all future challenging situations and the ability to get out of those situations. Right. It gives us not only from a level of giving us the confidence that we have a Hashem who's got our back, right? And Hashem on some level has chosen our people to be his representatives in the world. And therefore we're part of this epic mission. We're part of this long chain of people charged with in this epic charge to continue to bring Hashem into the world. 
it gives us the confidence to be able to do it. When we look back at the story and we look at the symbols that we're using in the, in for as a representative of that story, the stuff that we actually touch and feel at the Seder, the discussions that we have, those are all meant not as a remembrance of what happened, not just to be like, this was crazy what happened to a couple, you know, thousand years ago, crazy story, let me tell you a story, kids, but rather, let me tell you a story, kids, because this is the story of us today. Right. This right? is our story. This is our story. We, so that, like, when when you told me that we're we're gonna touch on talking about matzah and talking about this special food that we eat on Pesach, it lights me up because matzah is the food that can take us to Mashiach. Matzah is the food that can take us once we fully internalize the lessons of matzah. It can take us to incredible places. Right? Uh, absolutely. Matzah is the red pill. I think I want to call the podcast this. Okay, very good. <laughs> very good. I love it. If it's internalized correctly, which is why I wanted you to explore this with us more. Right. So let's, let's explore at the base level of matzah. And especially whenever we talk about matzah, we're always going to also talk about chametz. Chametz is leavened products, leavened bread usually that we stay away from. It is in the Torah prohibits us from uh, having Chametz on Pesach and in- instead tells us to supplement our diet with matzah, right? Right. So what is, what's going on? What's the chametz and matzah thing? Is this just, you know, uh, spiritual gymnastics where Hashem just says, you know what, let's try this for seven days right. and see what happens. It's convenient because matzah is the food that they was kind of the food of the time period when the Jews were leaving Egypt. So it kind of plays into the story. There's a very basic level of this is that, yeah, we're eating the same things that they ate. It can kind of transport us to that time, that experience. That's very nice. That's a very... I would say on, in level of depth, that's an external layer of understanding. It's definitely true, but there's got to be something deeper. And so this is from the teachings of Rav, Rav Itchemeyer, as he's known, as Rav Yitzchak Meyer Morgenstern. He really asks the question is, what is matzah a metaphor for? What is it trying to show us? What is the lesson of eating matzah? And it's not just when we think about the question, we also have to understand in the big picture, this is not just something that, you know, a mezuzah you have on your door. There are other symbols that you look at or that you touch. But right. matzah is actually something very different. Right. You digest it, uh, which is food. It becomes part of who you are. It's part of who you are. Exactly. Yeah. So the, whatever the lesson of matzah is, it's obviously important in the big picture. It's important for Hashem to get this lesson of matzah inside of us, deep inside of us, right. and let it become part of who we are. We are what we eat, literally. Yeah. So what does it mean when we're eating matzah? So he points out something incredible when you think about it. He says that when you have on your plate, you were talking about challah, and I was imagining a nice, big, warm, you know, straight from the oven or straight from the hot plate on Shabbos, you have some nice warm challah. Right. And you see the steam coming up off the fluffy, delicious, perfectly baked challah. It's like you can imagine. You can taste it almost, right? Yeah. What we have to understand about sustenance, about food, which when you get to the base level of food, you're talking about bread, right? Bread, food. When, when we are eating that, where does the energy, the life-giving power of food, where does it come from? All comes from Hashem. So that's the answer, right? Right. But where do we translate when we see something yummy? Right. Where does the power of that food come from? It just comes from the, the, the substance of the... The ground wheat. From whatever it is, right? right. Whatever the ingredients are. Right. So if it's a yummy uh, cinnamon bun, so then, the, I don't know, the mixture of cinnamon and sugar with the frosting on top and the soft rolls of fluffy cinnamon right. bun, that's giving you enjoyment, right? And I don't know about it, substance, but enjoyment. Not, maybe not, right, exactly. <laughs> the empty calories they talk about, right? But, uh, but that's definitely giving you an experience of enjoyment. Yes, And what we really are meant to realize during the year is that all true enjoyment and really the energy inside of the calories, so break it down to calories, like the food, the energy inside the food is really, all food is energized by Hashem. And at that moment, Hashem decided that that delicious thing that you're eating 
is going to give you life, is going to continue giving you energy, and is going to sustain you. But when you translate that back, where is that energy coming from? It's because Hashem is zapping energy into that. Right. Now, that's very true, and we may all know that. The challenge is, is that when you're eating an Oreo, Oreos right. taste good because Oreos taste good because they're right. so good. That's just that taste is just perfect. You can tell I'm an Oreo guy, right? But Oreos, <laughs> He's not an Oreo guy. Okay, fine. So I'm out. I'm. I you you got me, right? <laughs> but but Oreos. That it's so hard to be thinking. Just think. When was the last time we ate something and we thought just this is just natural and normal. There's nothing wrong with this. But when was the last time we ate something and thought, wow, Hashem, you're energizing me. We don't think like that, right? Right. You have a nice, a good sandwich or a good lunch or a good salad, something good. You're eating healthy. You're thinking this food is so incredible that it has you know, superfoods, right? Superfoods. Right. I just thought of this, right? <laughs> superfoods. Like the food itself is super. There is something incredible inside of this berry that gives you energy for the whole day. You eat a couple of them and they fill you up and give you energy. Right. But it's very hard to translate that in our normal eating patterns very hard to translate that back to Hashem, to the real life force and energy inside of everything. Right. That's our normal challenge during the year. Comes Pesach and Hashem says, you know what? Pull all that away. I want you to pull all those ingredients out of what you eat. Pull all real physical enjoyment that when it comes to taste buds and deliciousness, pull all that away. And I want you to focus only take basic ingredients, take some flour and some water, mix it together, and bake it. And do that before it rises. We'll talk about that in a second, right? About the physical reality of something rising. But Hashem says, just take the ingredients and eat that. And the Zohar says that the matzah is a totally different type of food. The matzah is called nama dimehemenusa. It means the bread of emuna, the bread of faith. So what does the bread of faith mean? The bread that allows you, without any layers or constriction or veils between you and Hashem, it allows you to connect to Hashem. It makes sense because when you were talking about how you know food is provides the substance and it provides all this pleasure to us, which Hashem wants us to enjoy, but at the same time, all that is really just a layer of concealment of Him. Good. Because the real pleasure is Hashem. That's Good. what we're searching for. He just allows us to, but he just, he conceals it a little bit to where we can get fooled and think that the pleasure is coming from the Oreo cookie and that not the real source of pleasure. So Amuna, it's like, it's stripping that away. So we can just spend a week focusing on you are all, you're the source of all pleasure. Exactly. Exactly. That is, that is your first layer of understanding in the chametz and matzah is that chametz means Hashem hidden in the creation and matzah is really Hashem revealed within the creation, within something physical, within eating, food, bread, sustenance. Within that, Hashem, the ability to connect to Hashem through matzah is a very different experience than our regular eating during the year. So what is the, what is the uh, evil inclination do when we're eating matzah? What does he try to do? tries to tell us that, oh, you know, this is really crummy excuse. Sorry for the pun, right? Yeah. This is a really sad <laughs> excuse for bread. And he tells right. us, you know, eh, this year it was really stale or the matzo was gross. The taste was just off. Yeah. Every bite has cost me 2 or $3. Exactly, so exactly. <laughs> and so he tries to add those layers back into matzo. Try right. to convince you that you're supposed to be finding physical enjoyment, concealment of Hashem inside of the matzah. And what we have to do is fight through that. And that's exactly what we do when we eat matzah is to focus on, I am eating something that I know it is clear. If I focus in on it, it is clear that the reason why this gives me energy, the reason why this gives me sustenance and life is because Hashem zaps that power into it. That's level number one. Okay, great. Chametz and matzah. What's the difference? The difference between chametz and matzah is chametz, leavened products, is stuff that has been given a chance to rise, right? Matzah is baked in under 18 minutes from when they mix the flour and the water. They go through the process of flattening it out, mixing it, flattening it out, and baking it under 18 minutes because that's the time that the rabbis tell us it takes for something to begin to rise. Now, 
rising, right? You, you ever you ever watched a Chalado rise? It's incredible. It's it's like it's like a it's like a very weird thing to see. Just flour and water mixed together. Put some yeast in there to make it go faster. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it just starts growing, right? right. There's a kid's book about a challah that grew to take up the whole house because they left it there in the bowl for too long. But <laughs> that's what I imagine this challah, this dough rising and having a height to it and really taking up more space. Right. And so they also point out that the metaphor in chametz and matzah, in leaven products and the matzah that we eat, that really it's, it signifies two different types of people. Or one person in two different experiences of that person. Right. Uh, what are these two elements? Chametz, leaven products, stuff that rose, is a person who is having a have has an attitude in their life that they themselves take up a lot of space. Right. right? So it doesn't just mean the extra pounds that they put on after Pesach. Right. Not taking up space that way, but in their heart, they feel like they are very super important. They are, in fact, probably the center of their own universe. Right. And their needs and wants are the most important thing. If you want to whittle it down to one word, it's having a certain attitude of arrogance when it comes to interacting with the rest of the world. That is the symbol of chametz. Right. That's leaven products. And it makes a lot of sense. You put put ingredients together. We have a human being, let's say, right. and then allow that human being to go and take up more space, to rise, to have a height to them, right. right? They're taking up more space. Well, when you take up more space, there's very little room for others. There's very little room for anything else, right? right? An arrogant person, a person you kind of, you see these people, right? Well, let's say it in a positive way. The nicest people are the people that don't only think about themselves. And when you get in the grocery line, even though they have a full cart and you have a couple things, what do they say to you? Eh, go ahead. You go ahead. You only have a couple things. That's the greatest experience is to see someone with humility, someone who understands their place in the big picture of things, as opposed to the guy that's like, I'm in a rush. Can I get in front of you? And you're like, whoa, whoa. I also have, I'm also in a rush, right? right? And there's people that just disregard for the people around them. That's sort of the the chametz metaphor. This person that is acting in an arrogant way and has is taking up more space. Right, right. Matzah is the exact opposite. Matzah is this little, low, flat cracker. It has the elements of flour and it has the elements of water and they're mixed together, but it's happy. Matzah is, so to speak, the person who's happy just being themselves and as opposed to taking up more room. It's a person who lives with humility, who understands that in order to have Hashem in their lives, they need to create the space for Hashem, which means that their whole day can't be centered around their wants and needs, but rather, how do I fit into the big picture? What's my purpose here? What's my role? That takes a certain amount of humility takes a certain amount of self being self-aware, but it also humility to make space for Hashem. There's, you know, I always go back and forth on this. You, know, you have these days where you feel good about what you're accomplishing with, with work. You're getting things done. And one of the verses in the, in the morning prayers that really love contemplating in the part that I thought was just a bunch of commentary two years ago, <laughs> it was talking about what are we? Like if you took your your guidance and your care force away, I'd be nothing. And just, to, and just to, to recognize that, that, yeah, I should feel good about things I'm accomplishing, but I'm not accomplishing it really. It's Hashem's helped me accomplishment. And just and it moves to gratitude that Hashem is, is giving that to you. Good, good. Hashem gives me the power to do it. Right. And that's really how this ties back to what we were talking about before, is that Chametz is easy to say, it's the food that's giving me power. It's the same attitude that a person has when he says, I'm the one who's accomplishing. Right. right? As opposed to matzah, which you see clearly it's Hashem energizing everything. That's really the attitude that we have to have when we go about our daily lives. That place come to come to service of Hashem and to come to interacting with the world around us from a place of humility, from a place that allows room for others and especially allows room for Hashem. And that is really at the, at the core of why we're taking this matzah and putting it inside of our body. is because the element that I want to become a part of me is this exact thing is to be simple. 
to serve Hashem in a simple way. And it doesn't mean simple stupid. It means simple. It means uncomplicated. It means Hashem said I should do this and I do it. And I explore and I study and I read and I understand and I lead my life in one step in front of the other. I'm Every step, I'm trying to come closer to Hashem. Right? That's the the simple ingredients and nature of matzah. There's right. something hidden in the word also. There's a couple of things hidden in the word. Okay. The rabbis tell us this is this is awesome. If you look at the letters of bread, you know what bread is meant to tell you? All bread is meant to tell you the letters are lamid, ches, mem, lechem. Lechem is the word for bread in Hebrew. Okay. Okay. The letters of lechem in numerical value equal 78. 78 is also three times the name of Hashem, that is a Yud, a He, a Vav, and a He. Like we see the name of Hashem as it's written. We don't say it that way. We say Adonai in this world, where we are in our our current iteration. We say we don't actually read this word, but this is the name of Hashem. It's a Yud and a He and a Vav and a He, which is 26. 26 times three is the same value of letters as lechem, as bread. Okay. What is that meant? What's what's being hinted at in the in the fact that these numbers line up? It's not just a game. It's not just a cute number game. Right. But rather, at the building blocks of creation, if a person recognizes when they're eating bread, the lesson of bread is Hashem is surrounding me. He's in front of me. He's to the right of me. He's to the left of me. Hashem is all around me in my existence. Okay. And that is meant to be if we were cognizant of it when we eat bread we would be thinking hashem is here hashem is there hashem is there he's in front of me to the right of me to the left of me three times hashem three uh experiences of hashem leading me through life and that is coded into the fabric of creation because the hebrew alphabet is the hebrew letters and the hebrew words it's not a coincidence it was chosen for a reason the numbers line up because that's at the building blocks of creation that's the reality of bread the reality of bread is i hope you get this message now during the year it's very hard to get that message like we talked about the ingredients the yumminess the fluffiness can get in the way on pesach is the perfect time to be very conscious of when we eat, to be very conscious of Hashem's life force, the life force that Hashem is putting into this thing that I'm eating. Okay. And that's what we're meant to be thinking when we eat matzah. And the other thing that I find interesting is that, you know, the amount of time it takes for, I went to a matzah factory with Rabbi Yokoff will be awesome. up in New Jersey many years ago. It's a great, it's the coolest thing to see. <laughs> And but I believe it's 18 minutes before the buzzard went off and they wiped it down and started over again, right? Mm-hmm. And 18 is the gematria for high, but it seems a little misleading because we're trying to get to the fact that leaven bread is really not where the life comes from. It's just really the matzah. Mm-hmm. Oh, which is why it has to be done before 18 minutes. Maybe. Is there some tie in there? Yeah. Well, maybe I think you just said it. Yeah. Maybe don't get confused and think that it's that life is because of extended time periods. Because of the chametz. Because of the chametz, exactly. Right. Don't think you need an hour to, to create life-giving force, to create that sustenance. No, all you need is chai. All you need is life, pure life, right? Pure right. life, which is we know comes from Hashem. That's all you need. So maybe that's the limited time in, okay. making, in making matzah. Right. There's something else incredible about the letters themselves. Chametz and matzah, they even sound similar. They share two out of three letters. Okay. Right? Chametz is ches, mem, tzadi. And matzah is the same, mem, tzadi, with a hey. So the difference is a hey or a ches, which are, if you draw them out, almost the same letter. A hey is your... Right angle and then a little leg. Right. Right? Detached leg. And your ches is the same right angle, but then the leg extends all the way up to the top. So it's one line, right? Right. Got it in your brain? You get yeah. the ches. Yeah, yeah, yes. And the hey, same letter, just there's a little break there. Right. So what, what's that? What's the difference between chametz and matzah? So they say that the lesson, if you really truly ingest the lesson... You bring it inside of you, the lesson of matzah, then 
there's always a bottom. Think about the letter Ches and the letter Hey. There's right. a bottom that's open. And that is significant because in life, we always have the ability to kind of fall off the track that we're meant to be on. Right. So think about that as falling out the bottom, right? If you live a life of chametz, a life of leaven products, what we're saying that that signifies arrogance and and not recognizing Hashem's power in the world. Right. I'm the creator. Uh, then how are you yeah. going to get back in? So you just fell out the bottom, but the, uh, the door on the side is closed. The leg extends all the way up. Yeah. When it comes to matzah, on the other hand, if you live that life, then even when you fall and even when you have a bad day, you can recognize and realize that if the point is to connect to Hashem, there's always a little door open on the side that I can get back in. I can get right. back to my place where I need to be. Right. So that's the letter hey, The place of teshuva. The place of teshuva, exactly, of coming back to Hashem. And maybe that's the idea of in the letters themselves, why they share letters, but there's one slight difference. Really, the only difference between these two words, that little opening, because matzah creates a reality. When I have faith in Hashem, and when I'm connecting to Hashem, and when Hashem is part of my life, then matzah, this gives me the ability to do teshuva, to be able to climb back in. So it's the food also, the food of teshuva. It's the food of faith. It's the food of teshuva. It's the food of coming back to Hashem. Think about the Egypt experience. The Jews are on the lowest level. We say that on the 49th level of impurity. It was not, they did not look good. The future was bleak. It was not a good time for the Jews. Right. After so many years of slavery, we had been beaten down. We had no ability even to call out to Hashem, to even use our power of speech to pray, to talk to Hashem. Our relationship with Hashem was, was lacking. So much lacking that we're on the 49th level, which is 50 levels out. Once you get to minus 50, it's the end. Disappear. We're on 40 level minus 49. And what kept us from dropping into the 50th level? That's part of the reason why Hashem had to take us out quickly is because there was no backstop, right? Is because once you get to level minus 49, getting to level minus 50 is very easy to fall there. Right. Very easy to fall into that. And so Hashem said at that exact moment, at midnight, on the night when he took us out, Hashem, ex- exact moment, that's the exact moment that we need to come out. Because if not, we'll be lost forever. Right. And so did anything really stop us? Yeah. You know what stopped us? Hashem said, you can no longer be in this, in this situation. I have to take you out. You're my nation. Let's go get the Torah. Right? Let's right. complete the picture. Let's go get the Torah. Let's start building towards getting the Torah. And so... That is, was that moment where Hashem said, I need to take you out quickly. That's why that was the quickly element of the exodus of Egypt was that you're almost lost. Right. You're almost disappearing. And so I got to get you out. And we had no hummets inside of us at that point. There was no sense of inflated ego. It's interesting in the psychology of it. You know, they explain it different ways. But from what I heard, we... Maybe, maybe I would say the opposite of what you just said. Okay. Maybe, maybe. maybe. We had so bought into the Egyptian mentality, which the Egyptian mentality is there was a creator, but he's divorced from the world at this point, and the world is just running on nature and is just taking its natural course. That's what the Egyptians believed. And really, it's an entirely different discussion. But imagine a people who had been so inculcated with this message over so many years that they had really begun to, they had started believing this themselves, is that there is no Hashem involved in every aspect of life now. Rather, there's just nature. When you think about it, think about the Egyptians. What was their whole thing is looking up at the stars and seeing what was written in the stars is because they believed that everything was programmed. It was just a computer program that was running. And however God set it up, they said, okay, there could be a God that created this. But however he set it up, that's the course that it's going to take. There's no way that God can step in and manipulate and change the course of history. Right. And maybe the 49th level of impurity really means that we had so... We, we so believed what the Egyptians believed. Right. And Hashem said, no, to be a Jew is to believe something completely different. It's like at that right. moment, right before we slip into the abyss, Hashem says, right before that, I'm going to show you the greatest example of the opposite theory, which is I am running every moment of this world. Right. Which is why he introduced himself to Moshe as Hashem, not the previous names. Good. And why, during all the 10 miracles for us and plague for the Egyptians, it was all about manipulating nature. 
taking nature and saying this is just, it's all a game. It's all a game. What you see in front of you as a natural order of the world and the cycle, even the seasons, even the, the clock, even the sun rising and setting, it's all only because at that exact moment, Hashem is deciding to keep, keep it going that way. Right. So there's no such thing as a computer program that's programmed and then set. You click at the end, run, right? right. And you run the program. The, the that, programmer never becomes, in, or the program never becomes independent of the programmer. Exactly. Which means that the programmer, Hashem, God, at any moment could change the program. Right. And that, think about if you can come out of Pesach understanding that. Think about how that changes the rest of your year. Yeah. It's because no matter what situation it is, you could be in a situation, you lose your job, right? And there's no future. It's like, what do I do? You can't see any logical way how things are going to get better because we're stuck in the pre-Pesach, pre-Exodus mindset that Hashem doesn't control nature. Exactly. And that we're just succumb to the world at large. And he wants us to remember that, no, I control everything. You may not be able to see how I'll get you out of this, but I will get you out of this. But I'm right here with you. Exactly. I'm right here with you. I am with every step. I can change the course of history. I can change your life. I can get you out of anything if you'll only create a relationship with me. Right? If you'll only turn towards me a very little step. Think about what the Jews did in Egypt. What did they do? They took a a sheep. Uh Uh-huh. They tied it to their doorpost. They slaughtered it. They spread the blood. That's all they had going for them. Very little mitzvah, right? It's the, it was eventually becomes the, the Paschal lamb, the Karban Pesach. Okay, right. that's great. That's awesome. But they had very little going for them. But that's all Hashem wants. Hashem wants to take a tiny little step. Take a tiny little step towards me. I can change everything for you. Right. You know, when, when you were talking about Chametz, and I always sort of spill on time thinking about this whole thing. Uh, who, who is who is me? Like, what is my value actually? If Hashem's actually every anything I've sort of so called accomplished mm-hmm. came from Him, and just recognizing it, it should be just an attitude of uh, being thankful, not taking credit for it. But then, what do we actually accomplish? But back to what you just said was, I did a episode many years ago with Rabbi Busco that called "Who Is the Me." Because I always felt like we're in a shaman and a body. And I said, but I was saying the Modeanin. I was like, thank you for returning my soul to my body. Shouldn't I be saying, thank you, Hashem, for putting me back in this body? But then I thought, well, I understand from what I understand that Nisham is saying, why are you putting me back in this body? <laughs> I have to live with this guy again. And what he basically said was, we're both. What defines us is when we choose him and our Nishama over the body. So basically what, what our value is that we're creating is in each and every moment, are we choosing Hashem or not choosing Hashem? Then it was, he gave us a choice, the Pesach lamb. And every mitzvah, it's all physical now, like D- Danny Cutler's was talking about yesterday, right? It all comes down all to All the mitzvah are physical because it's go. all about every little choice we make. It's Shabbos. I'm not turning light switch on, right? Or whatever it may be. It's all, all series of individual choices to choose Hashem. And it's all our mission is to be both a soul with a body right. and to choose Hashem. Right. Right? To exist in creation, in the reality of creation, which is many, many layers of creation hide Hashem. And to be able to find the rays of sunlight poking through the darkness of creation, to be able to find those. Not only to be able to find them in others, but to be able to be the one to bring more light into the world. Right. To bring more, we always say this, right? Be the one to bring more Hashem into the world. And that's an internal mission. That's something that we can do in our minds and in our hearts when we start thinking the right way and we start having the correct emotions and the correct emotional connection to Hashem. But it's also something that changes, that is our mission in interacting with the world around us. It's exactly that. That's a, My mother, oh, I think I've told you this before. My mother... The number one important thing for her before we left the house as a family was, guys, let's make a Kiddush Hashem. Right. Let's be that. out there in the world and sanctify God's name in the world. Because you can imagine a couple blonde kids with yarmulkes, right, in a supermarket. <laughs> and right before we went in, it was always, guys, let's make a Kiddush Hashem. Let's bring more Hashem into the world. Because when people see how you act and how you interact with them. This is for true in the business world. It's true in the supermarket. It's true about the thoughts that 
we have that other people in our synagogue have about us. It's every interaction, every human interaction that we have. Right. It is true that we are on a mission. Our mission is to be bring more Hashem into the world in that interaction. Just like you said, the teaching that Rabbi Kotler taught you, you shared that story with me, that first podcast we did, which I think was one of my very earliest podcasts, and it stuck with me big time, especially when I started wearing yarmulke meat outwardly as a Jew. And I had to, it, it puts me in a mindset to where I'm naturally sort of an introvert that's thinking about contemplating things mm-hmm. out in the world. And it reminds me like, nope, this is showtime. You're representing Hashem, the Jewish people. You got to like be cognizant of who's around you, smile, exactly. be courteous, respectful. Exactly. Exactly. That's our, that's our mission. And that's, you know, when we understand that we have a mission, we understand there's a bigger picture. That is, that is exactly the lesson that we're meant to be taking from Pesach, from eating matzah, right? This, yes. is, this is the lesson. This is it. Let me ask you one more question. You brought, I can't remember where it came up, but you talked about a mother holding her baby. And then you started talking about traffic. Was that from the book you were reading? Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. He, he, it's actually a verse. It talks about like a, like a baby in its mother's arms. And this is in the Torah? Um, I'm pretty sure it's in, I'm pretty sure it's in Psalms. Okay. But I'm not, I will, I would not bet money on it. So. Okay. So the, 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 the beauty of that, that I've been thinking about since you said that was that, and you gave the analogy of sitting in traffic, which probably was not a verse in the, in Psalms. <laughs> okay. That one, I'll, I'll bet money that it's not. Right. <laughs> but you think about it, whenever you have those moments of anxiety, it's because you are under the or we are under the impression that we are lacking something. And when we get there or when we get that, then we will not be lacking anything. And a baby, no matter where he's going, he's not lacking anything because he has the love and nourishment right from his mother. The fact that we ever think we're lacking anything is part of the illusion. It's part of the matrix. And I think what part of this whole experience with, you know, is that with, with Pesach is just a build in us is that we're never lacking anything because all we need is Hashem and he's always there. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And that's how, that's the feeling that we're meant to have for the entire holiday of Pesach. And it's that feeling that's meant to carry us through the year, right? Because every, we have so many moments where we start doubting, what, do, what am I missing? Or there's something that I want. There's something out there. If only I had that. And to understand and have faith that Hashem gives us every single thing exactly at the moment that we're meant to have it. Beautiful. And we have everything at the moment that we're meant to have it. That's called faith. That's called emuna, And that's called just live your life like a baby in its mother's arms. That's how we are in Hashem's arms being taken care of. And it'll take care of us through every period of our lives. No matter how dark it gets. That's what Egypt tells us. Is that no matter how bleak the future looks. No matter how dark it gets. Hashem is there. And Hashem is taking care of you. That's that's that's, yeah, that's Pesach. Beautiful. And we went from the bleakest period in Jewish history. To the most incredible period in Jewish history. Where we were standing at Mount Sinai. Exactly. Beautiful. That's Rabbi, appreciate you so much. Thank so you. glad you came back on again. I need to get you on here more. I know the audience adores you as much as I do. Maybe not as much as I do, but... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Thank you very, very much. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting Torch so they can continue to spread Torah wisdom to the world by making a donation at torchweb.org and clicking Donate in the top right corner of the page. And if you would like to get in contact with our host with comments, suggestions for future topics of learning, or questions for him or his guest rabbis, you may email him at president at torchweb.org.